which says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in G Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Hear the word of God. The Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. Throughout Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul has his attention focused on the law. He had been a Pharisee, of course, and he had been thoroughly schooled in the law. And he speaks about how the law reveals to us that we are sinners, something none of us really likes to admit and how the law convicts us of our sin. He says in Romans 7 and verse 9, I felt fine when I did not understand what the law demanded, but when I learned the truth, I realized I had broken the law and was a sinner doomed to die. Very seldom have we ever heard a prominent religious leader confess his ongoing struggle with personal sin, the way Paul does in Romans 7, 14 to 25. Listen to what he says, because the law has revealed that he was a sinner doomed to die. In verse 15, he said, I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. And in verse 18, he says, I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. So he's really describing the war that's going on inside his being. And he cries out desperately in Romans 7.24, Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? But then comes the amazing climactic cry of triumph. Thank God! The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul's attention moves from living under the law and recognizing that we are guilty of sin before God to living under the Spirit in Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the whole of the New Testament. Philip Jakob Spener, 17th century leader of the Lutheran pietist movement in Germany, said, if the Bible was a ring and the book of Romans its precious stone, then Romans 8 would be the sparkling point of the jewel. And this marvelous chapter starts with an incredible declaration that's the foundation of all our assurance as Christians that for the coming day when we'll stand before our Maker and give our account of our lives to Him, we have this assurance, so now there is no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. What an amazing assurance the words of this verse bring to our hearts this morning. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Charles Trumbull, a popular American evangelical writer and journalist who died in 1941, said this, the eighth chapter of Romans has become peculiarly precious to me, beginning with no condemnation, ending with no separation, and in between, no defeat. This wondrous chapter sets forth the gospel and plan of salvation, the life of freedom and victory, the hopelessness of the natural man, and the righteousness of the born again, the indwelling of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of the body, and blessed hope of Christ's return, the working together of all things for our good, every tense of the Christian life, past, present, and future, and the glorious climactic song of triumph, no separation in time or eternity from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the opening section in Romans 8, verses 1 to 4. And we see there, first of all, a person standing before a holy and righteous God. There's one thing we all share in common, and that is our sinful nature. Dr. John MacArthur says, although the Bible is a book offering the good news of salvation from sin, it is also a book that presents the bad news of condemnation for sin. No single book or collection of writings on earth proclaims so completely and vividly the totally desperate situation of man apart from God. Paul says, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. In Psalm 51, verse 5, David confesses, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And because we have fallen short of God's righteous standards, we stand guilty before Him. Romans 6.23, that we often quote alongside Romans 3.23, says, For the wages of sin is death. In Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, God says, This is my rule. The person who sins will be the one who dies. And Paul underscores that in Romans 7.10, where he says, So the good law, which was supposed to show me the way of life, instead gave me the death penalty. The law underlines we are slaves to sin, living out our lives on death row. So the hymn writer accurately, accurately expressed our dire condition in the well-known words of one of the verses that he wrote, guilty, vile, and helpless we. 
but he goes on to highlight God's response to this situation in sending his one and only Son, the Lord Jesus, to be the means of our atonement. Guilty, vile, and helpless, we spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah, what a Savior. So let me remind you of what Paul says in Romans 5, 6, and 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's judgment. And that's the reason Paul can confidently assert, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's what Jesus has done that makes the significant difference. A sinner, the natural man, stands before God in condemnation. But it's an entirely different situation for a believer. All those who today are outside of Christ stand under God's righteous condemnation because of their sin. From the human perspective, they may be living a very good, moral, and upright life. But when God looks on them, what He sees is their sinful nature. He has taken action to deal with our sinful nature, and He did it through the sacrifice of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only when a person surrenders his life or her life to Jesus Christ and receives the offer of salvation God brings in him that this person moves from condemnation to no condemnation. So, a person standing before a holy, righteous God is guilty, utterly helpless, righteously condemned. <coughs> but secondly, a believer standing before a holy, righteous God. Romans 3, 23 to 24. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now, God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sin. We were guilty before God on account of our sin, but now, because Jesus became our sinless substitute and surrendered His perfect life as a sacrifice on the cross for our sinful lives, the Christian is declared not guilty before God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, Paul says, God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that's the gloriously liberating message of the gospel. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, for the power 
of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Jesus Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Verse 3, the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sin. So, what has He done for us in Jesus Christ? First of all, He has freed us from sin's penalty. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But as far as God is concerned, for the Christian, there is no debt outstanding to his or her account. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus paid our ransom price and settled the penalty that was outstanding before a holy, righteous God because of our sin. Graham Kendrick puts it this way in his hymn, the price is paid. Come, let us enter into all that Jesus died to make our own. For every sin, more than enough He gave and bought our freedom from each guilty stain. He's freed us from sin's penalty. However, not everyone wants to accept what Jesus has done to deal with the penalty of our sin. In his book, Once and for All, Tom Smale said, the truth is that modern people are not in the same way worried about their sins and even less about a negative divine reaction to them. The result is that the New Testament claim that the cross is the unique and universal solution to the sin problem no longer engages us in immediate way. We're not so interested in the remedy because we are no longer sure we're suffering from the disease. When the University of Louvain in Belgium surveyed the attitudes on sin and guilt amongst European Christians in 1985, 40% of those interviewed admitted they had never experienced any feelings of regret about their actions. You see, if you don't accept there is sin, how can you be a sinner and recognize that you are in debt to a holy and righteous God? I came across another example of this recently. Ted Turner, the media mogul who founded CNN and was married to the actress Jane Fonda, said in an article in USA Today in 1993, I don't want anybody to die for me. I've had a few drinks and I've had a few girlfriends, and if that's going to put me in hell, then so be it. It's hard to believe that anyone could consciously be so hardened towards God's grace in Jesus Christ. I don't want anyone to die for me. 
it seems that like many others, he just doesn't recognize the reality of what people in a past generation used to call the exceeding sinfulness of sin. By way of contrast to that attitude, the Christian's difficulty lies in understanding why Jesus Christ would ever want to bear the penalty for their sin and die on the cross for them. It's grace that is truly amazing and hard to grasp, but it's real. So, He has freed us from sin's penalty. What else has God done? He has freed us from sin's power. Verse 3 of Romans 8, God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Charles Swindle said, Emmanuel, God with us, He who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air, He felt our pain, knew our sorrows, and died for our sins. He didn't come to frighten us, but to show us the way to warmth and safety. Sin held us in its enslaving grip, but Jesus broke its grip and led us from extreme spiritual danger to the place of total spiritual safety. Now, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are free to live our lives so that we can bring pleasure to the God who created us and redeemed us. Romans 6, 12 to 14, Paul says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, Give yourselves completely to God, since you have been given new life, and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, you are free by God's grace. What a privilege it is for each of us this morning to be part of the free people of God instead of belonging to the enslaved people of sin. That doesn't mean to say that we'll always get it right and we'll not sin. As long as we live this side of heaven, we're in a continual spiritual battle, the old nature vying with the new nature. But the Apostle John says this in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if you do sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who pleases God completely. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So, we've been freed from sin's penalty, and we've been freed from sin's power, and we are told also that He will free us one day from sin's presence. 
Yes, we continue to live in this fallen world. We continue to battle against evil outside and within our lives, the new nature and the old nature. But one day, God is going to take us away even from the presence of sin, and we'll be with Him where there's no more death or sorrow or crying or pain because there will be no more sin to spoil. In his book, When God Whispers Your Name, Max Lucado writes, we may speak about a place where there are no tears, no death, no fear, no night, but those are just the benefits of heaven. The beauty of heaven is seeing God. Heaven is God's heart, and our heart will only be at peace when we see Him. And so that brings me to the final point that takes us forward to the end of Romans chapter 8. Perhaps you remember the quotation from Charles Trumbull at the very beginning. Romans 8 starts with no condemnation. It ends with no separation. So, we conclude the message this morning with a final thought about the believer's security in Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And Romans 8, 35 asks, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And Paul concludes in verse 38 saying, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, my brothers and sisters, what more could you or I ask for, hope for, or expect? In Christ, there is no condemnation, and because we are in Christ, there is no separation from the love of God. What a privilege, what a joy, what a blessing it is to be in Christ. What a glorious word in Romans 8. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let's pray together.